Welcome to the show, everybody. I've got an awesome conversation with Patrice Washington today. You're going to love it. We talk about wealth and we talk about redefining wealth through six pillars. And she takes us through all six in this incredibly juicy, information-rich episode. So I really encourage you to get out your paper and pen, dive in and listen to this woman because she is, first of all, just so lovable. I met her at Lori Harder's Bliss Project. She spoke the day before me and I didn't know her before that. And so I was curious about what this woman was up to. And the minute she got on stage, I fell in love with her. So warm, so relatable, so real, so full of wisdom. And then the more she talked, the more I loved her. And so we got together at Lori's event and we're like, we need to be on each other's podcasts and share each other with each other's audiences. So you can listen to me on her podcast as well. And like I said, you're really going to love this episode with her. A reminder for those of you who'd like to spend some real life time with me, our Hawaii retreat is almost full. We have about five spots left and this is my first retreat that's open to men. So men coming alone, men coming as part of a couple, of course, always open to women as well. Go to christinehassler.com slash Hawaii or email jill at christinehassler.com. This is going to be an incredible retreat. I'm already feeling the energy of it. First of all, it's in Maui. I mean, come on, Maui. It's at a beautiful property called Lumeria. And I really feel like what we're going to be working with is love. And a lot of that is self-love and especially really balancing and integrating the masculine and feminine within each of us so that we can have that inner harmony and balance within us. And so we can experience better relationships with both the same sex and the opposite gender as well. There's going to be much, much more breath work, yoga, adventures, and just getting to hang out with like-minded people. So again, christinehasler.com slash Hawaii. My retreats are always amazing. If you doubt it, go and listen to some of the testimonials. And I'd love to say aloha to you in Maui. Second thing is East Coasters. I am headed to the Omega Institute to teach a workshop there. Very excited about that. It is on overcoming expectation hangovers, but of course I'm going to teach way more than just that. It is June 14th through 16th at the Omega Institute. I will put a link in the show notes or you can just Google Christine Hassler Omega. And now let me tell you a little bit about our special guest for today. Patrice Washington is an award-winning author, transformational speaker, hope-restoring coach, and media personality. She got her start as your favorite personal finance expert, America's Money Maven, had been tremendous success with her mindset approach to personal finance. She's since expanded her brand and mission, encouraging women to chase purpose, not money. Patrice is committed to redefining the term wealth using its original meaning, well-being. She encourages women to have wealth in all aspects of their life by pursuing their purpose, being fulfilled, and earning more without ever chasing money. Through her teachings, she empowers women to look at life through the lens of abundance and opportunity instead of lack and scarcity. She is the founder of Redefining Wealth and the Earn More Money movement for women. She's built a thriving community of high-achieving women committed to creating powerful life vision in their careers, home, health, and personal finances. So enjoy my conversation and all the wisdom that's about to be shared with you. Patrice, I am so happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited to be here. We're going to talk about wealth. And this is a conversation I'm really excited to have with you because I know that my listeners, it's something that a lot of people would say they struggle with. A lot of people have the objection of, I can't afford it, or I need to stay in this job because it's secure, or if only I had money, then I could X, Y, Z. And it tends to be a challenging area of life for many people. So I'm really excited to have your wisdom here today. And we are going to be talking about the six pillars of redefining wealth, which is going to be so valuable for everybody listening. I'm really excited for you to hear this. But first, I wanted you to share just a little bit about your story because you are so inspiring. I fell in love with you when you got up and spoke at our mutual friend, Lori Harder's Bliss Project event. And just hearing how you overcame massive expectation hangovers Uh and really built this incredible mission 
empowering people to live a wealthy life just just really moved me. So can you start a little bit about talking about your story? So Christine, for me, my defining moment came in 2009 when I was in the mirror, in the bathroom, bawling and snotting and crying and saying, God, why me? Like, I've been a good person. I've operated in integrity. I've done, I've done what they said to do. Go to school, get good grades, get a job, and your life is supposed to be amazing. I did one up. I didn't get a job. I created jobs. I started my own business at 21 years old. And that business became a seven-figure business by 25. So as far as I was concerned, I was done. <laughs> like, I was supposed to ride out into the sunset on that path. So how did I get to the place of going from a seven-figure business to scraping up change and finding myself in this itty-bitty apartment in a town where I had no friends, no family, just my daughter, who was Mm. not even one years old yet, and my husband, Mm. and looking at eviction notices on the door every other day, and, you know, going to a welfare office, applying for food stamps, and chasing the power man down the driveway saying, sir, if you don't turn these lights back on, my daughter's milk is going to spoil with my baby on my hip. Like, how did I get to this place? And that looking in the mirror and saying, God, why me turned into just a full blown ugly cry on the floor, on my knees, because I realized that I had brought myself as far as I could take myself. And I didn't have any more bright answers. I didn't have any more good ideas because in that season, I'm telling you everything that I tried is seen to fail. And I heard a whisper, what I call a still small voice that just told me to get my Bible. And I found this verse, or I think it found me, um, but Proverbs 17, 16. And it said, what good is money in the hands of a fool if they had no desire to seek wisdom? Hmm. What good is it? What good is money in the hands of a fool? And that was the first time, Christine, that it hit me. I had been really great at getting more and more information, gathering more and more knowledge. You know, if it it was a test, honey, girl, I could pass it, right? Like I am a test taker. I was great at that. But I confused knowledge with wisdom. And I didn't recognize that for all the degrees and the certifications and the licenses, I kept accruing more and more knowledge, but I didn't have a concept of seeking wisdom. And that scripture showed me that I had built a life on basically chasing money and chasing the next best thing, but not necessarily seeking wisdom, which is knowing how to apply that knowledge. That's massive. I just want to pause there and and have everybody think about that. Are you chasing money or are you seeking wisdom? And I'm curious for you, Patrice, like, do you, did you even know what it meant by wisdom? Like, what did that mean to you? How did you interpret that? I didn't. So I went to the dictionary. (laughs) I really didn't. Because when I saw the word wisdom, the first thought I had, Christine, was, but I'm smart. That was really my thought. I was like, but I am smart Mm -hmm. because I'm the one that everyone comes to. I am the fixer in my family. I am the fixer amongst my friends. I'm the one that has the degrees, the licenses, all the smarts and the know-how. Like, so clearly this, is this talking to me? Because I'm already wise. I didn't realize that those words should not be used interchangeably. Mm. And there was something in my spirit that was like, look it up, look up wisdom. And that's when I realized that wisdom was the application of knowledge, not knowledge. It was knowing how to apply the knowledge that you have. Mm. which is why I tell people all the time, you probably know more than enough to be great with your finances. You probably have heard, because we've heard the same things over and over again for, I don't know, forever, right? That we should budget or we should not lend money we can't afford to give or that we need to save 10% of everything we bring in. Like we've heard these things. So we have that logical information, the knowledge. We don't have the wisdom on how to actually apply it to our own life. Mm, it's so true. And I think in moments like you were having, snotting, crying on your bathroom floor, not having power in your house, how did you scrape up the mojo to start applying that wisdom? So even before then, and I think, you know, obviously to do what I did at such a young age, I've always been someone who would run with the information I did have. Right. So might be premature, <laughs> yeah. but not always logical, if you will. But if I learned something, I was always one who wanted to implement and one who wanted to share. 
Mm. And I think that made the difference because when I got this aha moment and I was like, oh my gosh, I've been chasing money. Who else out there has been doing that? Because quite, it wasn't like a conscious decision, like I'm going to chase money. I don't think anyone says that. You don't wake up and say, how can I chase money today? But it was, it came in the form of me really just trying to run away from the environment I grew up in. And so in a way to never have to go back there, I looked at what the teachers and the counselors and, you know, family members said, get, if you keep getting bigger and brighter and better opportunities, then that creates money and then you're fine. Mm. And so because that was my mindset anyway, I was always like quick to do the next thing. Well, I did get off that bathroom floor. And the next thing that I did was, oh, my God, I got to share. I got to tell people. Of course, everyone wants to know this. Right. So I started a free blogspot.com the next morning. (laughs) (laughs) A free blogspot.com. And I was like, I'm going to break this proverb down so that other people can see it. Now, mind you, I owned a brick and mortar business. I didn't know anything about the online space. I had never done anything online besides had a website, you know, for my business. And I really wasn't expecting more than like my, my husband, my mom, and a few friends to possibly look at it. And (laughs) I learned really quickly though, Christine, after several weeks of going, did you read my blog post? Mm -hmm. Did you read my blog post? That they were not, (laughs) they were not interested at all. But there was um, one guy, when I realized they weren't interested after several weeks at this and really feeling passionate about it, like, oh my gosh, you guys really need to take these Proverbs, seriously, there's business principles and and money principles here. I was like so excited and no one else cared, right? And I took a few weeks off and there was a guy, I wish I knew his name to this day, Christine, who reached out to me and said, hey, I hope you're okay. Just wanted you to know I've been enjoying your blog post, but I haven't seen you write anything. Wow. And I was like, who is this man? Who is this strange man? Where did he come from? Because I didn't know how to read analytics or look at the back end of a site or page views. I literally just started it and it said, you know, put your content here and hit publish. And that was about all I did. It was so ugly. It was nothing cute at all, but I was proud. But you did it. You did it. That's the most important part. But I did it. And when he reached out, my, my whole thing became if I could help one, if I could share and help one person, then I'll keep going. And... I always say, you know, I, I feel like I owe him so much because he is that one stranger that allowed me to go look at the analytics and realize mm-hmm. that people actually were reading, even if they weren't the people I expected to get yep. the blessing. Yep. Yep. Little angel coming in, giving you feedback. And that's, I love that because that's such a great reminder of sometimes we think we need these massive signs from the universe, but often the signs are subtle. Of like, mm-hmm. you know what? Hey, you, you're on the right course. You're yeah. On the right course. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that has led to what you do today, which is? That has led to so much. <laughs> that one email has led to me working on my fifth book, doing tons of media and really living my life with this mission of helping redefine wealth yeah. for this generation. And, and wanting folks to know that wealth is more than money and material possessions. Wealth is truly about well-being. And yeah. so the six pillars of wealth are based on cultivating well-being in these other areas of our lives that I truly believe allows money to not only be attractive, but to become the natural byproduct of mm-hmm. how we show up. I love it. I love it. Can we dive into those six pillars? Yeah, I'd love to. So... The first pillar is fit and fit is all about becoming your best self. And in fit, you know, people tend to get an attitude sometimes, Christine, they're like, oh my gosh, she's going to talk about going to the gym. I'm like, it's kind of, but not really. It's, it's a bit more than that. There's two things with fit. Um, the first is for me about the physical fitness piece. I truly believe that a lot of us are hoping, wishing, praying for so many things And to be able to walk into this magnificent vision, but then we forget that we only have one vessel and it's our duty and responsibility to protect the vessel needed to execute that vision. But instead, we take our bodies for granted. Many times we we run it into the ground. Uh, You know, I've seen all the blog posts or the, the social media memes about team no sleep and going 24 seven and the hustle and grind and all this. And I'm like, hmm. 
Yeah, no, while you're up, I'm I'm resting actually and still yeah. doing quite well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you're gonna be more productive the more rested you are. I, I'm I'm anti-hustling. Yeah. Like, no, how about like actually being healthy and and generating and co-creating? I like that way better than hustling. way better. Yeah. Way better. I find that, yeah, I do my best work when I feel good and I'm refreshed and I'm hydrated and when I'm energized and fueled yeah. by the food that I'm eating. And so really just taking care of the vessel, because what good is it to have this grand vision? And then you're allowing yourself to succumb to things that are just not necessary. A lot of preventable diseases for many of us in this country, but take care of you because the better you feel about you, the better you show up, Mm -hmm. which will lead to the next pillar. But before I get there, there's also the mentally fit piece. And again, hoping, praying, wishing for many things that we don't necessarily have the capacity to sustain, the mental capacity. Mm-hmm. And you may remember that I shared this on the stage about how ugly I felt growing up mm-hmm. and that. Which, was, well, we'll just hold because that just boggles my mind because you were drop dead gorgeous. So it just uh, boggles my mind that you felt that way. Yeah, I did for 25 years. I couldn't look in the mirror without cringing until I was 25 years old. Mm. Mm-hmm. And most of that was told to me by people that I loved, people who were in my family, people who took care of me every day, or the ones who said, you're too black, you're too ugly, your lips are too big, you're too tall. Mind you, I come from a tall family. I'm 5'10", but my grandma was 6'2". Wow. So, <laughs> like, I can't help that here, right? I got it from you all. So why is that a deal breaker for you? But mm. I was told um, many things, just unsupportive things you you would never want to tell a child, or I would never want, I should say, to tell my own daughter now. But coupled with being teased at school and bullied in different ways and all that stuff, coupled with those two, I just felt very ugly and had a lot of self-esteem issues and insecurities. But I always tell people that what if your success is about going to sit down with someone to really flush out whatever childhood trauma you're dealing with? Because I was chasing significance in all the titles and all the positions and all the licenses and all these things, really because I was struggling with me. Mm -hmm. Like just being me was not enough. Right. And I am so grateful for the years of therapy that I did. And I'm always in some form of therapy, but I was I was so grateful for the therapy that I entered around 22, 23 years old, because when I look at my life now and I look at the national television appearances and being on stages all over the world and my face on all these book covers, I could have never stepped into being this person had I not dealt with that. Right. Right. There's no way the insecurity was the driving force and nothing would have ever felt good enough. And I think that a lot, that applies for a lot of that was my story too. Like really chasing significance, Mm -hmm. really chasing like something that was going to make me feel good about myself instead of actually dealing with all the reasons I didn't like myself. And then the the come from is a different place. So I, I think that's so important in being mentally fit to be wealthy because otherwise you're going to try to make money to make yourself feel better. Mm-hmm. And that won't work. <laughs> no, it's going to lead to a bunch of self-sabotage. Yep. Because that's, yep. that's what I see most in helping people with money. It's like, you know, you don't have a money problem. <laughs> you yeah. have a people problem. Yeah, right? exactly. Like you haven't dealt with some of these relationships in your life. And that actually takes me to the next pillar, which is people. And people mm-hmm. is about creating relationships that matter. And again, I, I get from people who are on team no sleep and on the 24 seven hustle and grind. Well, how do you get so many opportunities? I'm like, believe it or not, it's not because I'm out there pitching and it's definitely not because I'm up all night. Mm-hmm. It's from building great relationships yep. and understanding that building relationships is not about always thinking about what you can get from people, but actually saying, how can I support you? What can I give? Like, I really do believe in the law of reciprocity. Now I don't give to get, but it is, it's a natural cycle, right? Yeah. I give to give. I give because I, you know, if I see someone and I really believe I could be a blessing in some form or fashion, then it's just, it's become just my nature to do it. But because of that, it has allowed me to show up um, in spaces where maybe I wasn't even qualified to be there, but people have just taken such a liking 
in mm-hmm. such a like, oh my gosh, just a feeling uh, magnetized to me, I suppose. And so I continue to get work. I continue to receive opportunities. I continue to, again, get things that people go, no, nobody can do that. And I'm like, well, <laughs> this <laughs> happened, right? But the lesson yeah. that I've always taught is that there's always someone watching you who has the power to bless you. Mm-hmm. But who are they watching you be? Yep. And again, we live in a time where folks only want to be nice, Christine, when they're like, what can I get from them? Exactly. Or is that the person that I need to get to? But then they forget about the gatekeepers or they forget about the support staff or the admin folks or all the other people. I will say hello and good morning and greet you with a smile. I don't care if you're the CEO or the janitor yeah, or the guy parking cars outside. I don't care. Yeah. Everyone deserves respect. And I think the natural, again, kind of law there is that I just keep getting it back. Well, yeah. And on the other end, like that people don't have to be intimidating either. I think that a lot of times people are afraid to approach other people because they're like, oh, well, I'm not enough for that person or they won't see me or I don't have anything to give. And we end up putting people on a pedestal or thinking they're unreachable and we don't reach out because we think we're less than. And so in that people department, what I'm hearing you say is we've got to be careful of that more than less than thinking entirely. And really just know that people are people. And at our core, we all yearn to connect and we all yearn to feel like we belong. And we all yearn to feel like people want to give to us and we want to give to people. Like that's just similarly similar across the board with people. I agree. Absolutely. And the other thing about people is in the personal realm, my daughter taught me a great lesson years ago about the difference between just being present and being present. Mm -hmm. And I used to think and confuse physical presence, right? With like being present. Like I am here, I see you. And it took my daughter going like, you're not paying attention. I'm like, no, but I work from home. I'm here. Yeah, but I'm telling you a story and you're not looking at me. Mm. (laughs) Oh, well. Ouch. (laughs) (laughs) And that was the that was the thing. So now even, you know, personally, when I'm with friends or, you know, my immediate little family, I don't have my phone out at dinner. Yeah. I don't have, I'm not always checking email. I'm not always checking social media. My friends will say, you are the worst person to respond to a text. Yeah, because my phone is probably on the other side of the room. Good. So that way, when I do go out on the road, I know that my family knows without a shadow of a doubt that they are loved, that I have their, and I know that I have their support. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a conflict between being a mother, a wife, and America's money maven. Mm. I don't have guilt when I'm out speaking about, oh my gosh, I'm gone for my daughter. I'm gone for my family. I don't have that because I know that my family knows that when we are together, we are together. Mm. Like we are absolutely present. And when I get off a stage and I call my daughter, the first thing she says is, did you kill it? (laughs) And then if if she knows I'm selling books, she's like my little manager, like how many books did you sell? Did they stand up? Did they, right? Like, so she's so into it because she knows that she and I are good because she has my undivided attention when it's mom time, it's mom time. Yeah. And I think sometimes what impacts our finances, we don't always show up our best at work because we're worried so much about things at home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's the people pillar. So space pillar is third. And the space pillar is just about setting up your environment to support you, setting up your life to support you. And we've all heard the time is money. And yeah, but there's also all of these uh, statistics that say that the average American spends over 76 hours looking for things per year that they own but can never find. And I think that's just hilarious. And when I'm on stage, I, I kind of think about going all around three days a year, just going. Just looking for stuff? Just looking for stuff. Oh, just Lord. looking for stuff. Could you imagine? But think about the last time you misplaced keys or your phone or something and the additional 15 minutes it took. Yeah, I, I do that. I definitely <laughs> do that. <laughs> and how that adds up, right? Mm-hmm. And so a big thing that we talk about at Redefining Wealth is just what what kind of causes that sometimes? Because I don't know about you, Christine, but have you ever spent so much time looking for something and then it was literally right under your nose? Every single time. Every I'm always like, I lost my sunglasses. Time. Steph's like, no, you didn't. 
you're going to find them in like five minutes, <laughs> every single time, every single time. It's like you lift up that one piece of paper that was sitting on the table and your phone is just under there, just politely where you left it when you put the paper on top of it. Right. But so many of us are dealing with a lot of mental clutter and, you know, which I know for me, whenever there is physical clutter present, I know that there's mentally something going on with me. And we say that clutter is the physical manifestation of chaos in our mind. And with the space pillar, it's about opening up that creative energy and just the space, the energy to get to the things that matter to you without always draining your energy with the looking for stuff or the, the going past something, you know, and it's not just clutter. It's even the things that you still like. Maybe it's that jacket where the zipper is broken. And every time you go to reach for it and you remember the zipper is broken, you're like, and you do that little sound, right? That's the like, (laughs) (laughs) and every time you do that, it zaps your own energy. Think about how often between looking for things three, three days a year, and then how often you're just not dealing with the things in your space. And you're not just like, drawing a line in the sand that this drains my energy and either has to get out of my space or be fixed. Like, but those are the only two options because every time I look in this direction, I can't have that zap of energy that takes me away from what I should be focused on. And it really helps. Like I like to create a list of things that are draining my energy. Mm. Like what's draining my energy right now? Because most of them are simple fixes, but we don't realize how we're working against ourselves. It's like when you're trying to, you know, work on a project and you're half asleep. Yeah. And so now you've made more typos and more errors than you would have had you just taken a nap. Yep. It's the same thing in your environment, right? Like if you would just buckle down and get rid of these petty annoyances, then you would have the mental clarity and capacity to be more productive. Yeah. But no, you just keep allowing it. And so every other day you keep having the exact same conversation with yourself. Well, who's that supporting? Yeah. No. And a big thing for me is incomplete cycles of action, like putting a pile of things like, you know, insurance forms or things I need to get back to. And it just sits there (sighs) and it it like screams at me. And I'm like, no, 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 I've got to work on this copy. I've got to do this. But if I just get through like what I call my ICAs and complete cycles of actions and spend 30 minutes just handling it or delegating it or whatever. It's done. I, it's good. It's done. And I can think so much more clearly. So, you know, a lot of times I think people get confused on like, I have to focus just on the big things and like put the little things aside. It's the little things. It's the little things that add up. And if you can just like spend a half an hour, like when I see them start to stack up, I'm like, all right, two hours, I'm getting everything done. And then it's like, my plate is clear, my space is clear and I'm so much more productive. And it's a big thing in our house too. Like I hate clutter Mm -hmm. and I was feeling very bogged down a couple of weeks ago. I just felt like, you know, we only lived here since September and it was already feeling like clutter to me. And anybody (laughs) who walked, who came into our house would be like, this house is immaculate. There's no clutter, but I could tell, you know, yeah. there were just cupboards that needed to be cleaned. And, and I, I said to Stephanie, we're going to spend Sunday just clearing things out, getting organized. And both of us noticed the next week, we felt so much more spacious. We felt so much more productive. And so these, these, these quote unquote little things, they actually make a big difference because your environment is constantly talking to you. Constantly constantly. And I love what you said about, you know, folks coming in and saying, well, this is immaculate because that's how my home is. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when I was downsizing, uh, it was amazing to me how many things I found, Christine, I mean, perfectly placed, but there was so much stuff that I just really didn't need that I had been carrying from season to season. And some of those seasons were not my best. Yep. So the re like, why was I continuing to hang on to so many reminders of a season that did not really, you know, obviously you grow through adversity. So I grew in those seasons, but I didn't need the constant reminders tucked away in a closet up on a shelf everywhere. And I'm taking it from state to state and home to home. No, just because it's packed nicely and pretty. It doesn't mean that there's still purpose for it in your present. Exactly. Exactly. We're going to Marie Kondo everybody right now. Like, <laughs> it doesn't bring you joy. Get it out. <laughs> right. 
I love that she's become a verb. (laughs) I know. I know. I love it. So the fourth pillar for us is uh, faith. And faith is about believing in something greater. And the big takeaway for me with faith is, I believe that if you don't believe in anything, that you'll fall for everything. And that there's this big thing, a big wave, I feel like, of just, you know, awareness and and spiritual awakening and all these things. And I'm for it, but I'm like, can, if you say you believe in this, can you just practice it? Yeah. Can you you just make it an actual part of your life, your lifestyle? Is it on your calendar? Are you blocking time for it? Because we all know that life is coming. It's not a matter of if it's when that there are going to be things unexpected, mostly that, might just totally throw you off your rocker, right? Like just totally put you out of your comfort zone. And I find that if I'm trying to figure out what my uh, faith practice is in the midst of that, it just prolongs my own suffering. Like if I already have a routine for how I get through adversity and for how my resilience is built, like cool, because now I know that this too shall pass, right? And I remember that this is not happening to me, it's happening for me. So there's either going to be a lesson or a blessing in this, but it takes practicing, right? You you practice how you want to play the game. Mm. And so many of us cut off our opportunity to build wealth, to be better with money, because every time life throws us a curveball, we tap out. Mm. Every time the pressure gets turned up, we're like, no, no, this is too much for me. Maybe this is a sign that I shouldn't do it. You know, maybe this is a sign that I'm not supposed, like we just freaking fall apart. And faith is that thing for me that keeps me grounded and is like, no, this is a part, as you say, of your soul's curriculum. Let's go. Like, yep. let's buckle up and get ready for the ride. Like, okay, like here we are. But because I have a practice in place for how I express my faith, I find that it helps me be more resilient. I think that resilience is my superpower. Mm, I think if I'm that. nothing else, I am one resilient son of a gun. Like if I'm not <laughs> 20 times, I'm up 21. And it's not because I don't stop to feel. It's not because I don't stop to process. It's not because I don't do my work. Because I, like I said, I'm always in some form of therapy and I'm the podcast listener and the, you know, the book reader. And I'm all about, the knowledge, but also the application of knowledge, which is wisdom. Yeah. And for me, that leads to building that muscle of resilience. But that came through my faith. Yep. Yep. I love that. I love that. Do you have any specific faith practices around wealth and money in general that have really been helpful to you? So I don't know if this is conventionally considered like a... (laughs) kind of like a spiritual practice, but well, I I may be. So I identify as, as Christian, like that's the label, if you will, that I put on it. So I subscribe to the Bible and one of the scriptures, it's in Philippians, it talks about be anxious for nothing. And so I had to find a way to express that. Right. Cause like be anxious for nothing. It's like when you're feeling anxious, you're like, well, what the heck do I do while I'm sitting here though? <laughs> like, so I'm personally a journaler, I guess, if that's mm. a real word, yeah. but I journal, I write a lot. And one of the things that I came up with Christine is when I'm feeling anxious about money in particular, but really you can apply it to anything is I write out what ifs and what is. And so mm. on one side, for me, those are the things that I'm fearing. Like, that's the thing that I'm anxious about. Like right now I'm in a home purchase and I'm, you know, there's like so many different things going on. And so whenever I feel that anxiousness Mm -hmm. rise, I call her anxious Angela. I got that from you. Naming, (laughs) naming uh, this feeling. And not naming them bad names. (laughs) No, (laughs) I'm naming that feeling that comes up. One of the processes that helps me move through is to take out a piece of paper and fold it in half. And on one side, I literally write, what if? And these are the things that I fear. And I write it all out. What if we don't close on time? What if the lender asks for more stuff? Because Lord knows they've asked for a million things. Or what if any number of things? And then on the other side of the paper, I put what is. And these are the truths. And I write down what's like, what's the truth? 
before I start telling myself this story, the truth is if we don't close on time, they'll extend it a day. I mean, we've gotten this far, right? Mm -hmm. The truth is if the lender asks you for another six months bank statements, guess what? You got them. Just go online and print them down. (laughs) Like if this happens, if the house doesn't close, guess what? That must mean that there's a better house with your name on it somehow, somewhere. Like, like what is like, there's so many different stories you could tell. So stop getting stuck on the what if stories and put your mind on the what is stories. And for me, that's like a faith thing. I love that. That's so beautiful. And I love that because that's such a practical you know, I, I think a lot of times with faith, faith-based spiritual practices, when they have a practical element, it's so helpful for people. So I love that. I love that. Awesome. Let's keep going on the pillars. Okay. So the fifth pillar is work. Work is about living your life's purpose. And I really leaned into this work pillar concept of, of making it about purpose because as I've done the work of supporting people over the years in a one-on-one capacity, especially what really kept coming up for me is that this is really not about your boss, or this is really not about the fact that you can't budget, or this is really not about a credit score. What I kept seeing in so many people, Christine, is that they were simply unfulfilled and just not in alignment with what they were really called to do. Mm -hmm. And so even though they may have great paying jobs, or people are telling them, and a lot of times it's, it's the guilt and the shame of like, how could I not appreciate this job? How could I not be grateful? Especially coming out of the recession where so many people were losing jobs. If you had a job, it was like, girl, you have a job. Like, just be grateful that you get a paycheck. So if you're in a job where your gifts, your talents, your skills, your contribution are really, it's just being tolerated and not celebrated, And that is chipping away at you day after day. And you are now questioning like, am I even good at what I do? Am I even supposed to be here? And is this who I was called to be? If you're like having all this back and forth in these questions, because you may have even just the the fear of leaving um, an opportunity or the shame and guilt of shouldn't I be more grateful, right? Like I should be grateful to be here. Then what that manifests is, is you mismanaging money. And it doesn't always come in the form of shopping. And that's, that's something I want to like, you know, bust a myth right there. People think that when you um, are a spender, quote unquote, that that's the, the manifestation of that. I've seen people not even be so consumed about buying things as much as they are about buying other people. Yep. Yep. To, to find approval, buying status, buy, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. To fill a void, to have that, that significance to feel validated by some other whatever, right? I, I know people all the time who they don't even get from paycheck to paycheck. They can barely make it from like Friday to Tuesday mm. because the whole weekend they spent showering everyone else with, I got drinks at the bar or I've got it. Don't worry about it. And then they would come to a person like me and go, I just don't know how to budget. And I'm like, no, no, you know how to add. <laughs> <You> know how <laughs> to add. And you know how to subtract what you don't know how to do right now, especially if you're severely unfulfilled and what you're doing is sit with that. That's what you're not comfortable with is sitting with the fact that this thing doesn't make you happy. And so you're trying to find happiness and all kinds of other things, Mm -hmm. um, which include buying people and buying things. Yep. (sighs) I hope people are taking notes. (laughs) (laughs) Just let that one simmer. Well, one of the things that is a practical thing that um, I use and I've I've really encouraged other people to do is if you know you're really energized by something, don't wait until you're being paid to do it. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. If if it's volunteering on the weekend, if it's in, in your church or your place of worship, if it's at your local school, if it's in the community, if there's something that you truly feel like, man, I, I am passionate about this. This makes me feel fulfilled. I have such purpose around it. Just do it. Yeah. I started out volunteering at a financial education nonprofit 10 years ago when I was getting off that bathroom floor and starting that free blog spot. The other thing that I did was email every financial education nonprofit in my city that I could find online. Mm-hmm. And I sent them emails 
And some of them replied and some didn't. And I ended up volunteering at two. And when I went into one in particular, I told the executive director, I said, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm in a weird season. (laughs) I called it a weird season at the time. I'm like, here's who I've been. And this is what I did. Um, But right now, this is where I am. I said, but I assure you, I lost all my money, but my mind isn't bad. Mm. And I still have a heart to help people. I love that. And they said, okay. And I became their number one volunteer. And I've never had like a official job, Christine. Like I've had one like real job where I got real paychecks in a W-2. I love how we call that real job. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like, like, I, so, so my quote unquote real job, that, that nonprofit ended up creating a space for me. And to me, that goes and, and creating a full-time position that I was in for 16 months before I went back to full-time entrepreneurship and built the brand of America's yep. Money Maven. Yep. But I literally, because I was willing to do it no matter what. And that's where, you know, I say a lot at Redefining Wealth, chase purpose, not money. That was an example for me because in the midst of that, I was offered an, a job that made twice the money but it was unrelated to helping people with finances. Yeah. And I was like, oh, golly. Like, even with my family, I'm like, are you in a position to turn this down? And I walked into that office and they were telling me about the, you know, the job description and everything. And there was someone that I knew and they, I had worked with as a kid and they were like, oh, we've seen everything you've done. Back to that, there's always someone watching you who has the power to bless you, right? And we want to help you. And, and we know you're in a tough position in this and that. So would you do these three things and we can pay you this amount of money? And, and the flesh, right? Like the human intellectual part is like, well, that makes sense. That can help my family, right? And then the everything else, which is what we make most decisions with, right? Our emotions was like, you can't do that. You cannot do that. You're going to go there and be miserable and unfulfilled and out of purpose. And so I said, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. And they were like, didn't you say you were broke? <laughs> didn't you say you needed money? And I'm like, wow, this is, but I, I understood. And this is back to the faith thing. I understood that it wasn't permanent. It was temporary. Yeah. And we have to be willing to go through that temporary discomfort and the temporary uncertainty, because if we choose the safe route, like if you would have said yes to that job, mm-hmm. you would have just delayed the inevitable of like not being happy. Right. So it's yes. like you would have had like a band aid, but the wound would have gotten much worse. Yeah. Able to heal. So I think it's like, we've got to be willing to have that, that temporary discomfort and be with that temporary uncertainty. And that's where that pillar of faith comes in so handy and listening to stories like this. I mean, think about it. Like I've heard so many stories from people who were in a sea of uncertainty and expectation hangover and struggle, but they didn't give up. And they had that superpower of resilience and even if it isn't their superpower in their whole life at the time. They right, in that moment. Yeah. Like in that moment. So just thank you for presencing that. Thank you for presencing that. Like sometimes you will be handed an opportunity to stay where you are and to stay yeah. safe. It's and it's up to you to choose to really live into your potential instead and not take the safe route. Yeah, I, I'm so grateful every day that I didn't take the safe route. Yeah, I can't imagine myself getting stuck there. And I don't know that I would be the person who would necessarily be stuck for long, but that I didn't even compromise what my soul was saying. Like, I just didn't, I didn't compromise. And I think that on your path to, to building wealth, right? Like that happens so much that we compromise ourselves out of what's calling us. Like the path is laid. It's yeah. already there. Yeah. Yeah. But we're, we're so, you know, attached sometimes to, but this, but I know this over here. And yeah. sometimes you have to be willing to just step into the unknown. That is completely uncomfortable and it feels crazy. Yeah. And, you and it's know, the only place real change can happen. The like only place. It's the only place if you change, whenever you do any kind of chemistry, you change one object into another. Whenever there's alchemy, it's, there's chaos in between. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a period of uncertainty and there's the in-between and, you know, it's, it's been in the most uncertain moments of my life that the biggest blessings have come through because I've been willing to 
stop controlling so much and allow the universe to do its magic mm-hmm. and do things differently rather than my plan controlled kind of things. If you're doing a rinse and repeat life day after day after day, doing the same thing and you're in certainty, sure, maybe you don't have a lot of anxiety and you feel like you have control and that's comforting on some level, but is it satisfying? Oh. Is it fulfilling? Is it fulfilling? Like, is being comfortable enough? Like on your deathbed, do you want to say, well, I played it safe and I was comfortable. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> right. I, I literally want to be on that deathbed and say, I gave it all I had. Mm-hmm. Like I, I played full out and I gave it all I had. Mm-hmm. And I remember being a little girl and passing a funeral procession in my whenever I would see the motorcycle cops come by, like we all knew like, okay, turn the car off. Mom's going to turn the car off and preserve that gas because we're going to sit here. And I was about nine years old or so. And we saw the motorcycle cop. And so my mom turned the car off and just as quickly as she turned it off, it was done. And I was like, what just happened? There Maybe there were like 10 cars, if that. And I was nine years old, Christine. And I was so bothered by that. Mm-hmm. I asked my, I'm like, what happened? Where's the other people? And my mom said, well, maybe it's just a small funeral. And I'm like, Aww. and I thought about that thing when I, I, it haunted me. And that night I told my mom, and she still reminds me of this um, from time to time. I was like, when I die, I need to live and do so much that when I die, people want to stop what they're doing and come see about me. Yeah. Yeah. And I had, I said that at nine years old, that and essentially that my life has to have impact yeah. or what is it for? And I think yeah. that connects back to the resilience. The reason I keep getting back up is because my life has to have impact. Like I was, I feel like that's what I was brought here for, <laughs> like yeah. to help other humans tr- navigate this path with the best that I have to offer, which is not, I'm, I'm not Christine. I'm not this person. I'm not that person. The best that Patrice has to offer I'm responsible for playing full out and putting that out there, not for being safe. I wasn't called here to be safe. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Okay. We've got one more pillar left, right? One more pillar. And that pillar is the money pillar. Finally, the money lady talks about money, but the, (laughs) the money pillar is really just about attracting the prosperity you desire and managing the money you do have wisely. And the big takeaway for for me with that, Christine, is just for people to know that you just have to start with what you have. Like that muscle memory is real. And you, like I said in the beginning, you know enough. You've heard enough. No one needs to be a quote unquote money maven. You just need to apply the few things that you do know and not and stop harping about what you don't know. You know, I hear from people, I don't know about cryptocurrency. So what? You you've heard about budgeting. You've heard about, you know, have you heard about maintaining your credit well? Have you heard about saving? Have you heard about some of the basic steps? You're not doing that. So don't consume yourself with all the things you don't know and you're not doing. How about we think about what we do know and start to put that into practice? And when you start to clear up all the clutter from the first five pillars that we talked about and you start to shift some behaviors and mindset in, in those areas, what to do with money becomes so clear. Because it's not about comparison. It's not about staying in an old story. It's literally about you taking the next best step with what you already have and what you know. And if what you know is I should save 10% of my income, let's say, then if that's $100 for you, then just freaking save the $100 Mm. and not transfer it right back out. (laughs) Because the act of moving it to a savings account and then moving it back over two days later, that smells, tastes, feels like defeat. That's not what you want. So it's about just getting into practice those things um, that you do know now, because who you are with $800 or with $10,000 or with $100,000 is who you will be with a million. Yeah. Like you can't assume that all of a sudden you're going to like become some genius money manager. Yeah. And you can't assume that you're going to make the wisest decisions at that point because now you have more money to mismanage. And boy, is it easier to mismanage when there's abundance of it. (laughs) And the goal is not to get it. It's to maintain it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's to maintain it. But when you're fulfilled in your relationships, when you're confident about how you show up, when you've dealt with some of that childhood trauma and mentally, like you were just clicking, like you can recognize when things uh, come up for you, when triggers come up and you can deal with them. And when your environment is just set up to support you and 
everything is not like trapped in the clutter um, and the junk and the debris that we allow into our lives. And that comes in the space of people, places and things. Yep. Um, you know, like when all of those things are in order, when you are doing work that fulfills you. And so because you're fulfilled, you don't need to window shop. You know, like you don't need to buy all the drinks at happy hour. You're like, I'm fulfilled. That's what I say when my friends are like, are you paying? No, no, I'm fulfilled. You're going to be my friend regardless. So (laughs) no, I'm not paying. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like I'm able to stand in that. Yeah. And not try to be someone I'm not or cover up a whole bunch of stuff. And therefore being better with money is just the natural byproduct. Yeah. It is. It is. Cause it's when we do, when we look at all those other pillars, the, the five before the, the six of money, mm-hmm. it's all about our relationship with ourselves and our environment. And I think I said on your podcast that wealth is just an expression of what's going on internally. Mm-hmm. And so is like our physical bodies, everything, our environment. And so we have what I, what I love that you're reminding us of is that we aren't a victim of our circumstances. And no matter what our money situation is now, no matter what we grew up with, we do have the power to shift our relationship to money. Mm -hmm. And it's not just about going out and making money and hustling and working hard. It really is an inside out experience. Yep. Yep. Oh, so much wisdom, 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 wisdom. You definitely (laughs) took that verse and ran with it. So so grateful. Where can people connect with you? Where can they get your books? Where can they learn more? Well, you can learn more at patricewashington.com. Patricewashington.com. There's all things Patrice. And I really like to play on Instagram. That's my favorite social media playground. So seek wisdom, of course. Seek (laughs) wisdom, PCW. I love it. Thank you. I love your Instagram. We're Instagram buddies. I love Instagram too. (laughs) So y'all definitely go seek some wisdom from Patrice. She is just amazing. Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing so much wisdom with us. Uh, Thank you, Christine. 